Welcome to I've Never Seen, a podcast where two friends, myself, Stephen, and my friend, Albert, talk about films they have either both never seen before or one they've never seen. These are landmark films. They are paired for a reason and discussed at length. This week we have Steven Spielberg's AI Artificial Intelligence and Stanley Kubrick's Eyes Wide Shut. Um, for those that do not know, the connection here is Kubrick, Eyes Wide Shut being Kubrick's last film, Artificial Intelligence being the film that Kubrick was working on before it being passed on to Steven Spielberg and finally completed. Later in the podcast we'll discuss what remnants of Kubrick exist and how much is Spielberg. But also, seeing as Eyes Wide Shut was released after Kubrick's death, we'll talk about what is the Kubrick there as well. Eyes Wide Shut, for those who don't know, is a 1999 film. It is a drama, it is uh, classified as an erotic mystery or psychological drama in general. It's based on a novella um, by Arthur Schnitzler um, called Tram Novelle, or Dream Story, as it's been translated to. It's set in Vienna in the early 20th century. Kubrick changes this to 20th century New York City, uh, the 1990s to be exact. It follows the adventures of Dr. Bill Harford, though adventures may be putting it too excitingly. Dr. Bill Harford realises that his wife contemplated having an affair and then embarks on a journey through the night in which he infiltrates a masked orgy of an unnamed secret society and things establish out from there. It's mostly a relationship film exploring how much we know about each other, etc, etc. It was a controversial film at the time for its use of sex and nudity. Um but was trimmed very carefully to make sure that it maintained an R rating. It was divided in terms of critical reaction, but mostly positive, and now continues to be a divisive film. AI, Artificial Intelligence, is a 2001 film from director Steven Spielberg, based on the story Super Toys Last All Summer Long by Brian Aldiss. This film was began development by Stanley Kubrick, um, in the early 70s and was in a troubled production for a long time, wanting to use computer-generated imagery for the main character, convinced that no child actor could give the central performance to the central AI. Steven Spielberg actually went on to keep an actual actor as his AI at the centre. Um, this film follows the story of David. David is a mecha, a robot, in a future where the polar ice caps have melted and submerged many of the coastal cities as worldwide starvation and human dependence upon robotic assistance. He is the first mecha designed to experience love. David is the son of Henry Sam Rhodes, an employee of a company that built the boy, and mother, grief-stricken Monica Francis O'Connor. David is meant to replace the couple's son, who is comatose at this point. However, the child recovers, and David is abandoned, sets out to become a real boy worthy of affection. The plot is very much about David wanting to have a mother, wanting to feel loved and to feel human. David is mentored by a pleasure-providing mecha named Gigolo Joe, played by Jude Law, um, and a talking super toy named Teddy. It's a strange film. His adventures take him to a circus called the Flesh Fair, where mechas are destroyed for human enjoyment, and an escape from there leads him on a journey to find out the truth behind his creation and wider secrets about mankind. The film divided critics at the time and continues, much like Eyes Wide Shut, to divide audiences and critics alike. May seeing it as too schmaltzy, too melodramatic, too overly emotional, and feeling that it is too artificial. As artificial as the character at the centre. 
So, what links these movies? Well, they're both very ambitious works by very respected directors. There is obviously the link of being Stanley Kubrick films at their genesis, at least, um, but still remain to be very much discussed outliers of the catalogues of their directors. So, enjoy our discussion of Eyes Wide Shut and AI Artificial Intelligence. Hello and welcome to a new episode of I've Never Seen, the podcast where myself, Stephen, and my friend Albert Hello. Uh, pick two landmark, important, or well-known films that either one of us or both of us have not seen, and we talk about them in tandem, which usually just means just about one for a long time and go, oh, we should mention blah. Um, that's definitely going to happen this time. Oh, no. It's definitely going to happen. That was a warning I was going to mention about yeah. the time round. Mm. But let's let's try and not do that. We'll try, um, but I think one of them is a much more interesting conversation than the other. Um, so you've read the episode title. The two films are Albert, Eyes Wide Shut, mm-hmm. Stanley Kubrick's, and um, partly Stanley Kubrick's mm. AI. Um, or to give it its poster title, yeah. AI Artificial was, Intelligence. That's yeah. And apparently, do you know the reason for that? No. Is it because of ET, the extraterrestrial? No, it's because when they were doing screen tests with like audiences around the U- US, apparently there's yeah. like a there's like a ru- like a ranch sauce with A one, and people thought that the film somehow had that in. Billy so they Mitchell's had to put the, you know, so it was like, oh, okay. Anyway, um, yeah. I mean, you know, from the maker of ET, the extraterrestrial comes AI, artificial intelligence. To the me, American, it makes a lot of sense audience butchering Kubrick films since I don't know 1950 or whatever <laughs> it's true it's true I mean I've well I've been watching a lot of early Kubrick um this week because I thought I'd dip into um his you know what is known as his pre-Spartacus filmography I would suggest don't don't do that wait really the terrible um, it's because a lot of them. I mean, I mean, this is this it's, is. I mean, it's germane. wrong to deify him anyway. He was a hundred percent formative period. Like, um, it's, actually, yeah. it's, it, it, there's some interesting because I've I've watched the first um, four. I think um, I think it's worth talking about them briefly because they're interesting um, because it's again this kind of like someone honing a craft over time. So his first, I mean, his first two films are shorts. And then he did a feature film and then a short film. That's as far as I've got. I'm, I'm trying to get to Pass of Glory, which apparently is brilliant, yeah, um, which I is the film before that. Spartacus. I'm going to watch that soon. Really, and also The Killing is really great as well. Haven't seen that yet. Um, so his first movie is a short film called Flying Padre. Okay. Interesting. Which is Good a sh- short documentary about a priest who uh, who flies a plane to get to people. Um, it's not very good. <laughs> it's, it's not worth watching. Um it only holds up if you view it as parody because it's so just like straight laced and it's it's tiny bit colonial in its outlook of okay. you know, um yeah. but you know if you view it as a parody great whatever i then watched day of the fight which is about again another documentary short about a boxing match that's gonna happen in the evening it's kind of fun actually and the mm-hmm. boxing match at the end is shot really nicely um i then watched his first film fear and desire have you watched that no it is no, atrocious no. Wait, really? Yeah, and he—I mean—he tried to get every copy of it deleted from the world. I've heard of that. I've heard of that, but I, I haven't seen the film itself. Because I was like, it can't be that bad, can it? It's just—it's yeah. just dreadful, and it's—it's 
it's so boring and so short yet feels so long and it's, it's just enough of a movie um yeah, really yeah. badly acted really badly directed and then he made a 30 minute advert for um the seafarers international union which is just dreadful because it's just a 20 minute you know like when you start working at somewhere and they show you their corporate video it was like that he made that okay. don't don't watch it i'm not i'm not surprised because i think mm. he might have gone through a period where he felt like <laughs> he, he he felt like he didn't know what he was doing yeah he needs to make money he took yeah, gigs exactly. a gig's a gig yeah. you know yeah, yeah, absolutely. From then on, he has a, a commendable filmography, um, which was potentially going to end with AI, but ended with Eyes Wide Shut. So, Killer's Kiss through what, to do Eyes Wide actually, Shut. Do you think that, by the way? Do no, I do not. Do you think the filmography ends with Eyes Wide Shut, or does it really end with AI? I think it... Well, I think this is a conversation we'll get back to later, but I think it definitely ends with Eyes Wide Shut. Um, Eyes Wide Shut is a very Kubrick film. Um, for good and for bad and artificial intelligence as i will expand on later is a very steven spielberg film yeah and we'll get into what that means mm. I suppose. yeah um let's have a little bit of a kubrick chat um because i think we we are both kubrick fans but we we are a little differing on what we think are the good kubrick so ignoring eyes wide shut so for now i was gonna say this by the way i think that the theme because I was, I was struggling to find what the, the through line for both of these films would be and yeah. i think it might be the minor Kubricks, you know, less the sort of starting ones, which shouldn't really be counted, I think. But of the yeah. big ones, of the big ones, these are the ones that are kind of overlooked, right? Mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, the overlooked movies of Kubrick are the the ones I haven't seen: um, Path of Glory, Lolita, Barry Lyndon, Eyes Wide Shut. Yeah, I have not seen any of those movies. Well, I've seen Eyes Wide Shut now. Um, Barry Lyndon's not overlooked. Barry Lyndon's literally looked at as like one of the. <sighs> I think it's not true. It's not overlooked, but it's underwatched. I think a lot of people go, that's a, like a three-hour movie. I'm not watching that. And it has a yeah. reputation for being boring that I hear is not true. No, it's not at all. Mm. It's a, it's amazing. It's very, very captivating. Everyone um, I know that's watched it has said, I thought it was going to be dry and boring. It's not. I'm like, oh, yeah. okay. Um, it's a very film buff film, though. I just, it's, yeah. I like it, a movie. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um, so on to the Kubrick chat. Yeah, and what what's good Kubrick to you? What's a Kubrick for you? You are gonna think me the most contrarian. I mean, you are. Alive. That is very true. But it, I, I'm gonna say Eyes Wide Shark, which is like, given what you just said about it to me before we started this podcast, is probably gonna offend every single like sensibility that you have. Anyway, I don't think we'll it's a bad movie. Why? We'll <laughs> why? But I think it's. It's such an interesting and subtle and almost kind of zany, bizarre film. It is. It, I agree with it's zany almost, and bizarre. It's almost David Lynch level of zany. We'll get to that. That's one of my issues with it. Of, okay. As a big David Lynch fan, I was like, don't tease me with this and not give it to me. Okay, yeah. I get that. I get that. Um, I, think, I think for me, I've been thinking long and hard about this. If I'm true to myself, my favourite Kubrick film is 2001 A Space Odyssey just such a awesome movie it is a good film it's, it's that and the shining I think. answer the shining it, as well like yeah it's good. really good i mean <laughs> i mean my secret like guilty favorite is dr strange love because i think it's just hilarious and the yeah. ending is perfection um but if i'm not being contrarian and being like oh strange love i'm like no really if i want to space Odyssey. it's an awesome movie um yeah. And I, it's the one that I would be like, I would watch that again happily. I would put Tim's on Space Odyssey on and be transfixed for two hours. Yeah. The I Shining, also, similarly. 
I also think Clockwork Orange is a bit overlooked. I mean, I know it had a huge reception in its day, but like now it's not really remembered as like... I need to revisit that. I haven't watched that. I've only watched it once. Uh, watched it University. Re- I should watch it again. Um, yeah. I, I mean, remember loving it, but... If you're going to pair Kubrick films... Actually, we'll get on to that. But and for the record, Full Metal Jacket's also good. Yeah, that is also really good, yeah. <laughs> but you might want to consider pairing Eyes Wide Shut with a Clockwork Orange. But mm. also, also... With, with with the big Kubrick, um, which I I have a real case to make today. So if yeah. I get into a into a rant, don't stop me because I want to just say it all in one go. This is going to be the inverse. I really think this is this film is a sequel. Oh my god, we're gonna get to conspiracy theories. Um... No, it's not a conspiracy theory. It's a straight cut thing. Which I don't know how people miss this, but I really think this is the sequel to The Shining. For so many reasons. Oh my god! <laughs> I just, <laughs> I don't know if I can with this. <laughs> I mean, hey, I picked up that one music cue. I was proud of myself. I mean, I've watched The Shining a lot. That's so. just the beginning. That's just the beginning. Okay, friend. we'll get to this film as a sequel to. The, you are aware they made a sequel to The Shining, right? Not by Kubrick, though, right? Yeah, I know. Oh my god, I don't. I mean, yeah. some people actually really like Doctor Sleep. I'm surprised because I'd think it's pretty atrocious um but it does that horrible thing of it tries to please book fans and stanley kubrick's the shining fans and therefore i'm like this middle movie is is working for no one but apparently it worked for a lot of people but not for me yeah i like the movie the shining Mm. the book seems a bit silly speaking of silly movies these are both silly movies anyway um bit of an intro to ai artificial intelligence yeah. I mean, we should do the same thing. What's your what? What is your? Because these are two, these are the cliche like filmmakers. Like, ask a film student who they love, they'll say Kubrick, and they might say Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Like, not as in like when they've done film, but this is like you know, first session, sit down. What movies do you like? You're like, oh, I like Steven Spielberg. He's a director. I like Stanley Kubrick. Um, what's your mileage with Steven Spielberg? Well, now you put it that way. <laughs> Uh, my mileage is um, not that good, actually. I think I've, I've not, seen most of his I, movies. I think I've seen not most of his movies. I, the, the, the like opposite of what that would be, which is I think I've seen um, Jurassic Park. It's a good like, one. The Indiana Jones films. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I think I I'm looking <laughs> at the is, list. I really have seen most. I have seen. I have seen most of them. Um, God, I've seen too many. It's just, I think so. Basically, I was I heard Ari Aster talk about Spielberg recently, and he was mm. like, for the longest time, was like this edgy teenager who just thought Steven Spielberg was the most like saccharine, like, you know, yep. like Disney guy. And actually, recently, I've started watching his movies, and they're actually really good. So I think I should do the same thing. <laughs> um, I, I hear that a lot. Um, film critic Mark Kermode talks about going through the same period of being like, oh, you know, Steven Spielberg, I'm above that, and now he's just like, oh, I like Steven Spielberg movies. So, but I do feel that maybe I'm in that period of being like, mm, Steven Spielberg. Wait, what, what period? Which one? I feel like when I was younger, I watched lots of Spielberg yeah. movies and I love yeah. them. And now I don't oh, you're, you're, really the like them. Yeah, I feel like I admit that. Right, I, yeah. I, I, I like, I mean, again, to be a contrarian, I like Duel, his first TV movie, which is Jaws but with a truck. That movie rules. Literally never even heard of it. Well, oh, it's okay. made for TV. It, it, it's Jaws but with a truck. Yeah. So therefore, better than Jaws because trucks. Jewel <laughs> um, is great. Um, you know, he apparently had like PTSD after making Jaws, or oh. something akin to that. Jaws really is good. 
Jaws is a rugged movie. Um, Sugarland Express is pretty good. Um, it's not great, but pretty good. I mean, I, I don't know. What's I think later Steven Spielberg, yeah. I just really do don't you, like. Do you think he's lost his touch? Because I think I remember seeing posters for a couple of the more recent ones. And I was like, why is this? Like? I'm going to make unpopular statements. I think the post is an abysmal movie. I think it's terrible. Um, I think Ready Player One is a bad movie that's better than The Post. <laughs> Really? Um, because I really hate the post. I think the post yeah. is just crap. Um, which is an unpopular opinion. Ready Player One is has the very tainted praise of being better than that abysmal book. So well done. Um, the five minutes to ten minutes of that movie that are The Shining are very good. The Shining's in that movie for a while. Um, yeah. I well, last good movie he made, Tintin, which was great. Oh, Tintin was very good. Mm. Yeah, Tintin rules. Yeah. I'm going to realise I've forgotten something and be wrong, but no, Tintin rules. He's made a lot of films. When you really, like, when you look into his... Oh, yeah, actually looking at so this... So much bigger than Kubrick's. Didn't like British Spies, didn't watch Lincoln because I don't care, didn't watch the BFG because I don't care, um, Indiana Jones, bad, War of the Worlds is okay, Catch Me If You Can is really fun, Minority yeah. Report is great, um, Saving Private Ryan, the first 20 minutes are good. Yeah. Um, Schindler's List I should rewatch. I liked it when I was young I don't know what I think about that now um, Jurassic Park is astonishing but he def- I mean he's one of the most important filmmakers yes. of all time he set the tone for a lot of like late capitalism kind of like <laughs> childhood do you know what I mean like, yeah no totally kind of neoliberal the nostalgia thing. boom of like looking at the 80s um, your Stranger Things and stuff it's just yeah, it's yeah, the Stephen Spielberg lineage yeah, um, yeah. it's really interesting I reference this film weirdly a lot despite it not being very good but Vim Vendors is Room 666 the documentary of that Cannes Film Festival where um, he's talking to a bunch of filmmakers about because I, I need to make a video of this at some point I'm fascinated that Vim Vendors has this key theme in his movies where he is terrified of the loss of cinema like really yeah. paranoid about the loss of cinema and it permeates his movies in really interesting ways like Kings of the Road is about people who go from town to town repairing projectors and so even in that idea of like keeping the image alive in Tokyo Gar he is talking to um, Werner Herzog and Werner Herzog makes this wild Werner Herzogian claim that we have taken all the images on earth so he must go to space um, so there is this persistent fear of what if there are no films left and even um, Lisbon's story the Vin Vendors film is about someone who feels that film is obsolescent and it's about him learning that there's still beauty to be made in film um, so he makes a documentary talk to filmmakers at Cannes about do they think film is dead basically and they all kind of do because it's pretentious people and Steven Spielberg's in it the two funny things Steven Spielberg says the word masturbate which is like hearing your dad say masturbate and you're like Stephen no <laughs> and I feel like AI is a bit like that yes you know what I mean? yes 100% you're like Mr yeah. Spielberg I don't want to hear about your libido <laughs> um, he's like you're not your cool uncle but the uncle that you like that's a bit cheesy uh, I, yeah. don't wanna, I don't want to hear him say he's masturbate a, he's a vuncular yeah, he is I'm, a vuncular yeah and he's the only person in that documentary that talks about money um, everyone else talks about cinema is like art blah blah as if there was no money involved he's the only person to mention money in the documentary which i think is really interesting but he, i mean he is a realist mm. i think i remember watching a couple of clips from some documentaries of him and he's really passionate about film yeah 100%. but i think from his like childhood or whatever like his formative period 
he understood that there is an element of like industrial kind of reality to this whole thing and to make his kind of dreams come true he has to kind of be aware of that so okay. he's a brilliant practitioner like exactly uh, he, exactly, exactly yeah he not if you think of nuts and bolts filmmaking the, the language of modern cinema for good or for bad uh, comes from steven spielberg like yeah. to the extent that i wrote a review of the five bloods uh, which came out a couple of weeks ago as per this recording um and one of my critiques of it was that I thought the soundtrack sounded, quote, a bit Spielbergian, um, which is, again, one of my critiques of AI. He has a style of filmmaking, which I'm just not really a big fan of. Yeah. So, OK, so to, perhaps surprisingly to some people, Spielberg and Kubrick were, in fact, long, long life friends mm. for almost their entire careers. And they really traded. They were really intimate about the filmmaking process. They used to bounce scripts of each other, scenes of each other, you know, the dailies, whatever. Mm. Uh, and they actually bounced projects between each other and AI was, was is the famous one uh, because Kubrick for the longest time wanted to in fact that film was in production since like the 1970s yeah they had, like several script writers who they fired after like 10 years of like trying to make it uh, but apparently Kubrick just felt they couldn't get it right which sounds exactly like him so eventually he kind of kept saying to Spielberg oh you know I feel like this is more your sort of thing which he could not be more correct do you think this is really interesting? Like, you mentioned Minority Report earlier as one of your faves. I agree. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so do you think that Spielberg can be cynical, like at all? I think he can. War of the Worlds is also very cynical. I don't know if you've seen is that. It, it's a very like go America it's, kind of. Film. No, it's it. No, but it's Where's not. It? It, it's a very like post nine eleven kind of film. It's well, very like much American vulnerability. Yeah, it's very much armies in the street of like trying to have shots in there that evoke the reaction to the Twin Towers attack. It's very much that kind of movie. It's very much cynicism fighting Americana, because he, he is, like, big Americana man. And I yeah. feel War of the Worlds is, like, the melding of those two ideas of a belief in Americana that is kind of, like, cussing against this kind of, like, new world of society that came around because of that global event. It's a, a surprisingly cynical movie, War of the Worlds. Do you think that AI is a cynical film? No. <laughs> really? I mean, no. like, that ending is, like, one of the most depressing things I've ever seen. Oh, yeah, but the ending was just so stupid that I found it hard to just, like, get on board with the and five by endings the, by of the movie. way, exactly, exactly conceived by Kubrick himself. Like, apparently, Steven Stewart made yeah. no changes to that whatsoever. It was, that, that was like, a shot list. That, I'm unsurprised. I'm unsurprised. I mean... The ending is terrible. Um, ridiculously terrible. It is the most cynical part of the film, you're correct, but there's so much just, like, sugar-coated sentimentality throughout AI, even when he's talking about sex worker robots. It's it's the most sanitized, Disneyified. It's such a weird film. I mean, okay, big picture, what is your view on AI? I think we slightly differ, but I think either of us yeah. are really fans. I, I really didn't like this film and I, I was trying so hard I was just yeah. like really rooting for it throughout the entire time because the themes are like you know yes. like heavy things um, and there's a lot of like Kubrick-esque details in it mm. uh, like did you did you spot the fairy tales on the mural on the wall when uh, they showed the sort of chamber of the boy being cryogenically frozen oh that's like, really cool at. The one they stop at is is the emperor's new clothes, and it's kind of you know, <laughs> so it's kind of there's like a lot of really interesting things about it, um, and also obviously you'd think that for a film that was in production for that long under the you know leadership of, of Sam Kubrick it would 
be pretty good. But mm. I just thought it really fell down flat, flat emotionally, yes. partly because of this whole juggling dynamic of, of the project going back and forth. I don't think they quite settled on an emotional core, and this is more of a tribute than a, than a real film, I think. I agree. It feels, I mean, kind of ironically and kind of like interestingly, much like the central figure, it feels stitched together and not quite human. It feels like artificial intelligence itself, which is an interesting irony and it's a fun thing to talk about. I don't think it does feel like... I mean more you see the machine of the film. It's a machine of a film. Kubrick didn't want to cast a real human for the robot. (laughs) And Spielberg did away with that entirely. I'm like, that's the most Spielberg thing to do, to cast the most, like, Spielberg-looking child boy that you can, like, imagine. Like, Joel Haley Osmond. Haley Joel Osmond, who I think is very I think is very good with a bad script. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, late 90s kid, American kid-looking, as as I can possibly imagine. Um, Yeah, he's doing the same thing he did in Six Sense. He's too human. He's too human, basically, is what I'm trying to say. Um, He is, I... More robot-like. A bit like Jude, I, I thought Jude Law was was good at channeling the robot. I thought they were both really good, actually. I thought there was a creepiness to Haley Joel Osmond that kind of like because of how because of what you're saying, because he feels like a filmic representation of a person. That's why I think it feels artificial. He feels like a Spielberg character, and Spielberg doesn't make to me verite cinema. He makes things that are clearly hyperbolized. So Hedges Oldman feels like a character out of a Spielberg movie in a dark reality, and that's why it feels jarring but interesting in places, because he's creepy. I think he's unintentionally creepy, which is a different thing. It's still creepy, though. No, because, do you know what I mean? Like, when in The Shining, the twins were, like, mm. intentionally creepy. Like, un- unquestioningly yeah. so. But, like, in this, I think... Uh, sorry, Spielberg was kind of trying to create a you know a fairy tale for the screen rather than yes like a weird one but it's you know all, oh, of God, the, all the pinocchio the, stuff yeah. i could not care less about yeah it's so weird it's such like a, a a tired like done story of can robots be human um i've seen we've seen it so many times and it can be really interesting but to tell that story through the lens of pinocchio is the least interesting way to tell that story well, it's it's, just it's lazy, different, but you know, yeah, I, yeah. I agree. Yeah, and it's just the the amount of contrivance the plot relies on, where it starts with him being told this story that becomes pivotal to his entire existence. They kind of like wreck on the end, being like, "Oh, we told you this." Story. I was like, mm, "This this feels so sho-. again." It's a machine. It feels so shoved together. It feels so stitched together. Coming but, back to that ending, what, what mm. do you think of it? What's your honest opinion? I, mean, I think the ending is terrible. I think the last 20 to 40 minutes of the movie, you could just cut them. Mm. I think it's just... Actually, you know, if you ended the movie with the very... With the shot of him staring at that thing forever, That's I think that would be... That's such a much better ending. Yeah, actually really that. profound. It just... It was such a weird curveball. I was Even so surprised. I'm like, like, CGI blobs just walking around the screen. I was like, what is this? What am I watching? That whole sequence, I was just like, this feels like an alternate ending that... Yeah. I'm watching the extended cut. I was like, why is exactly. this? Yeah. I generally think the ending they almost had would have been actually really good and would have cemented a lot of the film of being like, it would have given you something to think about. I read a review of this, I really agree with, of the issue with AI, one of its issues, is all the thinking is done on screen. It does all its thinking for you. And oh, you as true. an audience are just passive. It's, yeah. 
and they compared it to Kubrick they said both directors here are making films that are like um, imagine like a paint by numbers thing yeah. whereas Kubrick leaves you as the viewer to add the colour whereas Spielberg's like I'm going to fill this in for you though and there are no interesting ideas for me coming out of AI because it has all the conversations in the film and it leaves yeah. no room for the audience yeah that's a really good way to put it and it could not be less true for the other film that mm. we're discussing mm, which true. I think I have so much to say about this film like it, it's it's one which you have to revisit over and over partly because there is so much layered detail um, and also there's the whole puzzle box element as there is to all Kubrick films here's um, my controversial summation of because I feel somewhat similarly about both of these films um, in the way that one I think I like more than I should and one I dislike perhaps more than I should which makes them kind of equal out because the thing that I can't get over I was compelled the whole way through watching AI even though I knew I was being manipulated by the filmmaking but because it speaks a cinematic language very well it was a compelling view and it worked on a gut level as a piece of filmmaking um, whereas with Eyes Wide Shut not compelled by the film and the only way I appreciate it is in a dry academic sense I can pick out bits and go oh that's clever that matches that and that's intelligent but the film as a film was very inert to me it just did not work as a narrative I really like that you used that word Mm. so okay inert interesting why Mm. did you think so and I think this ties into the critical reception as well which I think a lot of the time many critics noted how sort of let's just say unstimulating or let's not even beat about it in the bush so basically it wasn't pornographic enough for them yeah and that is part of it I mean that is somewhat of it for me but I don't even think aside from the sex stuff I just found the whole thing to be just a very cold and distanced film about ostensibly about people um, and it's supposed to be quite a humanist film but I didn't really believe any of the people in it it felt very academic. It, I mean, I yeah, you're not wrong. It is a very academic film. Um, there's a lot of clues in the film, which literally, they're like, li- like, which, which make that point very well. Mm. And so I'm about to, to, to go into my rant territory. So okay. just bear with me. I just, I need to say what I need to say about this film. And it kind of relates to what you, you uh, told me uh, before we started the podcast and also yeah. the critical reception, which is that I kept seeing the word dated and sort of moralistic in all the reviews that I was reading at yeah. the time. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of that was partly to do with the fact that the sex scenes were just really a bit like, they felt almost incidental. I can't even remember I, them. Exactly. No, but but they are. Like the hmm. sex is kind of incidental to the power dynamics, a bit like in real life. It's about so much more, this film. Like, there's the gender roles, so there's a huge amount of differences between the gender roles and how it's passed on. So there's the montage of Tom Cruise's character working as a doctor, and then you see yep. that's intercut with Kidman getting ready. She's grooming mm-hmm. her daughter as well. Um, the character names, they literally embody their expected roles. So there's Dr. Bill, Dollar Bill, Alice. So Alice in Wonderland, a bit like a sort of naive young girl, and that's what she's expected to carry on doing. Mm-hmm. And there's the double standards with... Cruz's character in Kidman, so Bill is shocked to the core about Alice's fantasies of infidelity, yet he doesn't even seem to, you know, bat an eyelid about his own infidelities and, you know, the flirting of the, and the sex later on. So, uh, yeah, and it's it's especially about 
challenged and wounded masculinity, especially with with relation to fidelity and like flirtation. So it's not it's not incidental that he visits a prostitute immediately after being homophobically yeah. attacked on the street. A hundred percent. But to, that's to, my to issue with the film is. Because I, I, I paused it with half an hour to go and I messaged a different friend who I loved the movie mm. and I was just like, I'm getting nothing out of this. Explain to me why you like this film. So I, I had a conversation with a friend about it. Um, and because in fact, my, my statement was, what am I missing? And all that stuff you just said was stuff I was just like, as it was happening, I was like, yep, that means that. Yep, that means that. Mm. I get what it's doing, but I'm just like, they're very like facile observations to me. It's very much like, yep, that's a replication of that. There's no greater movie around them that I find compelling apart from, yep, that's the case. Oh, he doing that because of that. Oh, yeah, that's the woman's role. That's the man's role. I get what you're doing with that. Cool. I, I disagree. I think there's like a lot of layered uh, nuance to it. And I think um, there's a lot of like dualities going on in the film. Hmm. So it's nominally, albeit bizarre, uh, Christmas, <laughs> Christmas film released in July. There's the twins yeah. that try to seduce Dr. Bill. There's the two men that have uh, sex with the underage girl in the shop. Uh, Alice I, I, I really liked those two moments. Those two yeah. moments are really cool, actually. And I like that they were combined by that, um, the line about going beyond the rainbow. And what I liked about that is because it framed Tom Cruise so wonderfully of being like, yeah, that was that was paedophilia. Basically, like he, yeah. By showing those older men with that clearly younger girl, it makes it much more creepier, the thing that you don't see as being as creepy at the time of this predatory male behavior. It's a really good equivocation. Yeah. So, yeah, so just going back to that thing of Alice watching herself in the mirror when yeah. they're trying to, to have sex, but she's kind of inert and she's detached from mm-hmm. it. I think, basically, I think this film is misunderstood a lot of the time because it, it kind of misleads you into believing who's the protagonist and through whose mm-hmm. point of view this is. I think there's two mistakes you can make. One is that you can see it through Tom Cruise's eyes or his, his character, uh, Bill's eyes, and that's partly to do with the critical reception uh, at the time, which is people just basically thinking, oh, where's the, where's the porn? You know, like, I'm supposed to be seeing it from through this guy's eyes, so he must find it, whatever. And so that was kind of misguided. And then the second thing to say is that, oh, maybe actually it's not about him at all. It's like an objective take, all seeing eye point of view. It's not, it's not, it's not, it is, it is about the relationships between people, but it's not. Mm. It's not an objective point of view. Well, I mean, I yeah, think, as is shown by the, the title. Of view, yeah, it, by the title and by the, by the, by the poster as well. Check mm. out the poster. Yeah, it's her. Yeah, in a, so in a the, mirror. Point of, the point of view is Alice or, or women, maybe. So I think, yeah, that I think the mistake people are having is that the film doesn't communicate a point of view clearly enough, which is amazing, astounding, like a visual communication blunder. For, for Kubrick is a bit astounding but if you're experiencing the, of this film is that you're in Tom Cruise's point of view or head just just stop I think at first we're sort of led to believe that this is a spirit like spiritual successor to The Shining the film seems to some, somehow embody this like aesthetic of dreams thing yeah and it's not an accident of, uh, since I, it's I sort of based on this novel Austrian novel called Tramnabel which is about dreams and, and sexual I uh, like the dream stuff I really like yeah. the dream stuff I just I just I don't think the filmmaking always ties up with it. I feel I, I agree with you and I do I do read the film subjectively, but I feel like I'm being generous. I feel like the language of the film is very objective. But the narrative only works subjectively. I 
Look, I know this, this is this is a, this is not meant to be confrontational, but it's good. I think it's because you're. I think it's because we're, we're both men, and that's why it's not mm-hmm. quite landing with us. So I think whilst I mean that's we're, we're, probably we're very true, but Stanley Kubrick's a dude. I feel like it's yeah, a very it's dude movie. No, it's not perfect. It's not perfect, but it's it's trying to do something quite interesting, which is, I think, you're lulled into believing that it's this kind of hallucinogenic like interior psychological thing a bit like the shining but it's actually it's actually quite the opposite it's the mirror mm. opposite this film is about sociology of all things there's that textbook in the prostitute's apartment which is literally titled introduction to sociology which is a bit of an on the nose wry reference mm. to both sex and also yeah so just going back to like whose point of view is it mm-hmm. um i think if you're left at the end of this film a little bit sort of unsituated, whatever, then don't be surprised because so often in this film, women are merely incidental to the games mm-hmm. of power and gratification yep. for men. Their, yes. their sexual gratification, their existence as equal partners isn't really taken into account. So they can't help but focus on the like, mise-en-scene of sex, the, soci- the sociological dynamics. You have the scene of Alice looking into the mirror. She's bored. She's just kind of thinking about everything else about that dynamic. Right. So mm-hmm. when Alice reveals her sexual fantasy to Bill and he's sort of startled and alarmed, yeah. it's, it's as if he hadn't even acknowledged that women can have a rich psycho- like psychological and psychosexual life. In his words, women just don't think like that. Mm. I think his subconscious will probably try to end the sentence short there, like women just don't think. So I'm not surprised that critics found this film, you know, whatever, not something enough, because fundamentally this film is, it's not perfect. But it is a confrontation to the male gaze, and the larger male. It is, and it isn't, though. It is. It is. It is also a parade of just women's bodies for a long time. Uh, I can't deny that. That It is a problem. I think basically there was some, there was intention. It hasn't been perfectly carried out, but that reading that I just sort of uh, that that I stated, I think that's the one that was trying to be i and again i agree with you my i think my issue with this film is i can talk a good film about this film. i think it'd be very easy for me to go it works yeah. with this this and this i just don't think as a work as a complete work it is consistent and coherent to convey those ideas because i don't think the way that it's made is lining up with the intention and i also think it's just it's it's doing so many things that it doesn't all fall into line. It's trying too much and doing too much, and it spreads itself very, very thinly. I don't know. I think it's a very tightly focused film. It, it, like, just, like, it just spirals off into nothing. I mean, yeah, okay, but AI is way worse. Wait, I agree. Wait, 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 wait. Why do you think it spirals off into that? I think it's one of the most tightly focused thematic films that I could probably think of. It's, but it only deals with one thing, really. I well, don't know. <laughs> Because at one point I was like, because okay, there are bits where I was like, oh, you're about this now, then you're kind of not. And there are bits where I was just like, oh, interesting. There was that bit towards the end where it's like, this has all been staged. I was like, oh, that's really cool. This idea of like, what you were viewing as reality was actually a filmic reality. And the idea of an attack on the artificiality of cinema. And then it just kind of like goes, no. And moves on something else. And I was like, I, I kind of liked that idea. No, I, 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 I that, want that idea I think, back. I think that idea is, is there throughout. I mean, the title is Eyes Wide Shut. So... Do you know what I mean? Like it's, but I feel it's percolating it's, underneath. I feel it's, it, it doesn't fully absolutely. commit. No, no, no. But it has to because it's... You know the thing you're saying about Spielberg kind of having all of the conversations inside the film? Yeah. 
this just doesn't do that. So it yeah, has no, I agree. to calculate lots of these. It can't just, you know, hit you with it. It and kind of does sometimes, but like a lot of the time you're like, wow, yeah, this is kind of, this is going somewhere really, I really wasn't expecting. And one of the most striking scenes for me was like when he first goes into the ridiculous party, um, which only works as a scene if you think that it's kind of like hyperbolized dream logic. Otherwise, it's just ridiculous. Um, yeah. And I think that it is. Um, but when he's in there and the way that it's the way that is shot of it's just these men in masks and then just these naked women, I think works excellently because then it is confronting you, the viewer of it's making you the passive observer, the person watching the film, and that is that thing of being like, you thought you were having a sex tour? Well, you're not. Um, exactly. This is you, that is them. That stuff, I like a lot. But as I say, I can boil this one down to discrete moments go, like that, like that, like that. When I take it as a whole, I'm just like, I don't like the bits in between. Interesting. I don't know, I still think I'm, I really, really liked, liked it. And I do think it is... The, the, the sequel to The Shining. I think The Shining <laughs> is like Good. the point of view of, you know, the male obsession with violence. Mm. Yes. Whereas this is the mirror image, you know, of that whole, which is the women's point of view, which is, this is what happens when violence is committed to women. I I purchased a film. See. This is what they see. I purchased a film because I want to rewatch it to see if I think about it the same as I did when I watched it as university. But the film that kept coming to my mind was David Cronenberg's Crash. Have you seen Crash? I haven't. So it's one of my favourite novels, and I remember loving the film. And it's a very different film, um, but it so perfectly captures that idea of a person being tempted into something and then realising it is so much darker and consuming than he ever thought and being kind of like destroyed by it. Of There are bits of Eyes Wide Shut that touched on that that I found really compelling, but because of its, I don't know, because of the art of, like, the theatricality to it, it's just a bit silly. The film so, just seems a bit silly. Yeah, but, like, why, do you do you think that this, the tone of this that you, you kind of come away with is, is that it's silly? Yeah, like, the end line is ridiculous. Why? I because think it just shows, like, it's like there's just a, a recurring pattern of, like, ignorance that's going to continue. You know, they don't want to deal with their problems. So they, they, the only thing they can say is, let's just continue with how it is. No? I mean, I agree, but th- I, this is why it's so hard to articulate this film. I agree with all the things that it's doing. I just don't like the execution of the ideas, I guess. I'm like, mm-hmm. love the idea you're putting out there. This execution is a bit hammy. Yeah. This is just a bit weird. And like, I get that the Fidelio sex party is supposed to look ridiculous, but it also just does look ridiculous and it lessens the impact of the scenes. I'm like, this is like, I was like, to me it reads a bit like Stanley Kubrick does not, because he is so all-controlling, he doesn't know enough about all the things he's playing and I'm like, Stanley Kubrick, go outside more. I know you're scared of travelling, but mm. no party like this has ever existed in, in the world. I mean, it definitely has. That, that's, a, that's a lie. <laughs> the parties like this have existed throughout history. They look very different. I'm... No, this, I think I think they do. I think they do. Like these kind of genuine. No, the things themselves are ridiculous. I'm just saying these things probably do happen, even in this way. Not you know, maybe not stylistically, but in, but probably. I I think stylistically is my issue. Of the cinematic presentation is just the whole way through. It, it's theatre, um, which works. But the film that I was left thinking of, which it could not be in competition with because it came out after this film, is Mulholland Drive. 
which yeah, is yeah. a very different film. And I was having this conversation with, with my friend Diego, um, who will probably listen to this, um, because he loves both films. And a thing that I appreciate about Eyes Wide Shut, and I think appreciate is the right word, is it is it's, it is kind of trolling you. And I do like that it's trolling you. Yeah. That it is being like, it keeps being like, oh, we're going to be this film now. And it goes, no, we're not, though. And I do like that, that it keeps being like, we're going to go full dreamscape weirdness. But yeah. we're actually not. But then I like that Mulholland Drive just does a thing and commits to it. That Mulholland Drive is the amazing portrait of desire and sexuality and dream logic and also uncovering something so bizarre that may or may not be real. But it commits and it works so much better. And I get that Eyes Wide Shut isn't trying to do that. It's pulling back. But the act of pulling back completely distances me from the film. I don't know. I mean, like, I think it commits harder than, yeah, than a lot of films to just, like, one thing. What is the one thing for you, then? Um, either sexual dynamics or power mm-hmm. dynamics. Yeah. But for me, the power dynamics doesn't really work because these characters feel more like ciphers than characters. I don't think I care about that because a film doesn't have okay. time. It doesn't have time to like create real cat. I know it's controversial. I don't know. Like Hounds of Love <laughs> is Hounds of Love, which is a an underseen exploitation movie from a couple of years ago, maybe three years mm-hmm. ago. Is one of the it's it's a nasty film, but it's yeah. one of the best films about power dynamics ever seen, and that's like ninety minutes. Mm. Like. This, there's a lot of blank space in this film which is used to evoke beauty and is used for craft but it's it's not focused on building characters it doesn't really try to build characters I don't mind that Fair like, yeah so basically I think that they are ciphers 100% mm. they're not real people this is about the focus of the film is about the things in between individuals not the individuals themselves basically. You do, do you so, find the conclusions that interesting that the film kind of like leads to are you talking about the very last line of the no i'm talking about like like the conclusions of the ideas it's putting out there like the observations that it's making about humanity do you find them that compelling so i will say that they probably were more compelling in 1999 than they are now that's That's what i was getting at yeah 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 because i think at the time no no one was really talking about this kind of thing especially not in like film. not in this kind of cinema no i mean I, I could point to all kinds of like underseen extravagant and audacious yeah. cinema but it, it, it's you're right it's a different field but this was for, number no, one for kubrick do you know what i mean like this is height you know height of his powers kubrick yeah i mean literally to come, to come out with this and just say what he's saying i think that's pretty you know i think it's a really interesting film yeah yeah it's very cool it's like altruistic I, I like all the little touches in it again discrete moments of it terrific there's so much really cool stuff in it but i keep going back to my experience of the thing as a whole does it need to be almost three hours probably not um does it work the whole way through for me no though there is that place they go to gillespie's and i like that <laughs> that's pretty cool it's not vain at all trying to think of as because i often I, I like to like hatch on to silly stuff in a movie that i really enjoyed i'm trying to think if there was a silly thing in this film that i liked um 
Oh, I like the um, the use of the ridiculous piano soundtrack at the party where that guy's just been like, yeah, I'm just going to commit to this. That's great. I'm just going to play single notes for a while. I love his commitment to the act there. It's terrific. Yeah, I think basically you're not supposed to take this film as like, yeah, as reality for one. Which I do not. People, mm-hmm. As real people or as that, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a symbolic thing. Um, rather than yeah. the thing itself. I just because it don't... tries to capture like you know the whole web of human interactions via the kind of thing of sex or power dynamics. So it's kind of like okay, that's really a lot to go into. It's really interesting. Do you think it actually thinking about this? I'm being reminded a lot of our conversation about Solo. Yeah, quite a lot. And I think you actually made me realise something on that solo conversation that the craft of that film was much more insightful than I thought it was and actually when I reflected on the functionality of Solo to reflect the functionality of the the cold functionality of fascism I was like that's really interesting mm-hmm. but I have no moment with this film all the stuff in it all the ideas put out I'm like yep that's a thing that I feel like it, it reflected a lot of things back at me that I was really like yep that's a thing that's a thing that is true that's a thing mm. so are you just saying that it's it, there's nothing new in the film for you i don't for me no um mm. maybe there would have been at the time if i watched it at the time yeah. maybe like that is revelatory that's really fascinating um and maybe and um, one of my kind of like flaws as an evaluator i guess is i have a tendency to overrate perhaps films that do new as opposed to films that do things that have been done before but do them well and I think that yeah. I am perhaps not strong enough in praising, yes, these five things have all been done before, but they haven't been done in the same movie before. I mean, I think it's impossible to come up with something truly novel. Mm. Um, and it's all about the sort of iteration uh, throughout people's careers and also in the greater scheme of films themselves. Yeah. Um, and I think Stanley Kubrick, he's not an original filmmaker. I'm just going to put it out there. He's not really. Okay. Like, yeah. A lot of the films that he's made are just mastered the, the craft because there's always that thing of like him offending the particular genre that he's in that is that is him not being original well that's what i like about stanley kubrick I, I, though i don't like this term because you know i love genre cinema yeah. i like stanley kubrick at his best when he is making elevated genre films where he's like i'm making a sci-fi movie but i'm putting my little stank on it exactly. i'm making horror exactly. put my stank on it i'm making an exploitation movie putting a stank on it um so isn't there like a isn't there a genre label for this film for Eyes Wide Shut as well because it's supposed to be is it erotic thriller is that so that, like that's the thing of like that's why it's a fun troll of it it marked itself as that but just isn't that yeah. at all exactly no but that you know it's kind of a bit deflating like you know and I do love the that male expectations do you, do you know what I mean it again was, it's an erotic thriller from the female point of view because but it's a co-opted female point of view it's a male gaze into the female gaze that's true that's a very good that's way my issue that's, with that that's a very good way of putting it yeah i think that's my problem i just i i, yeah. I, I get what you're trying to represent i just don't think he writes women very well and i think his understandings may be accurate but are at a baseline okay yeah so yeah that i yeah okay i would agree with that definitely it's really worth watching though. If you've not seen this film, we ruined for it for you. Sorry, um, but it's it's really really worth watching. Um, it's very pretty. He makes really nice looking movies. Um, 
if you want to nerd out i mean there are little bits in it that i love because there's bits that i noticed and there's bits that i read up on later i noticed the shining cue the music cue because i've watched that film so much and that really added to the scene of he's in this hotel party thing and then you hear the cue for the shining and that's a really clever way of being like maybe what you're seeing isn't real which was already kind of suggested but also to bring those themes in there's apparently also like a a weird um multi-layered reference to his first movie um which i mentioned earlier i've got the name because it's got the most generic is it fear and desire it's got the most yeah. generic and i watched this movie this week it's got the most generic yeah, 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 yeah. see i said that i'm like it can't be called that that name's too bad um so the film they watch on tv at some point was the film that kubrick watched which made him cast the person that's in fear it's, it's something like that right yeah. so that's like a layered homage to his first film so there's lots of dna of his films throughout it um yeah. i think structurally this may disagree quite a lot i think structurally it owes a debt to 2001 space odyssey in the terms of like it is not a straightforward narrative film it is a succession of events yeah but i mean that's most films no 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 no, no. <laughs> uh, but it's not they don't seem to progress on a storyline it's very much like thing that leads on to new thing that's disconnected kind of yeah Yeah, yeah. yes that's a much better way of putting it my way was terrible um but like the visual storytelling in 2001 space odyssey is why it's phenomenal for me of being like it does everything visually yeah and there is that is in this film you can watch the backgrounds of this film get a lot of it um you can watch the weird cgi people being added to the sex scenes that's kind of funny um but yeah all right here's the question for you yeah um, do you think this is the film that Stanley Kubrick would have wanted? Because we don't know. Eyes Wide Shut. Mm. Or AI. Um, Eyes Wide Shut. Um, are you referring to the fact that it was like digitally... Well, no, because he way. died before it came out. He All we he know is he, he gave a cut. Edit. One, they said, they say that he finished the edit like the yeah. day that he died. I think it was, for, it was what's so conventional wisdom. I think it's um, interesting that people, that's debated. Apparently, oh, really? Yeah, but I, I'd, I'd also heard that there were unfinished versions mm. being shown to the press. I yeah. don't know how that's possible if, if he'd already finished the edit. Well, the one thing so, I do know is that one thing that was added post-death was the CGI people to cover yeah, up nudity. So I think that would have been incredibly controversial um, for him. <laughs> I don't, I don't but know I think, well... Well, I've got a story for you. He That was his idea. No way. Because what he did, I read about this. Uh, okay, I said reductively. I don't actually think this, but I was trying to yeah. wind up Albert um, <laughs> that this movie is Fatal Attraction for for pretentious people. Um, <laughs> because it's not. I, it's not it's, it's not. It's not. But on a base level reading, it's someone about, oh, don't do adultery. It's bad. They are both... On a very simple level, <laughs> that, that movie. The, I'm sorry, that's just disrespectful. I know. I was, I was so much deeper than that. I know, I said it to wind you up, and because it was funny. Um, so he watched Showgirls, Basic Instinct, and I think Fatal Attraction um, yeah. as a way of working out, because he'd promised the distributor it was going to be an R-rated film. Oh, uh, okay, okay, okay. So okay. he watched those movies to work out yeah. what can you get away with, and he yeah. suggested if the nudity is too much, then we'll have to find ways to cover it up. Yeah. Um, so that was his idea. He was determined to make it, because, you know, he gets the job done as he is told. Yeah. Looking back at his early career, a gig's a gig. He's no, there to make a film. Throughout all his films, he always works with the studios 
much more cooperatively than people mm. think or believe. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's a very pragmatic guy, which is why which is why his films are amazing. Yeah. You have to have that level of pragmatism to really succeed in, in making good films. So. <laughs> yeah. Which leads us to AI. Yeah. Which leads us to AI, I guess. Um, so I was making the point to you that I think this is the most... If I had to encapsulate late period Spielberg, I would point to AI. This really? Mm. I mean, like you mentioned, which I mean is an insult. Player one, right? That was yeah. a fairly recent one. Yes. Is that sort of comparable to AI? It's not really, is it? No, but then I okay. This is when I become to sound a bit ridiculous. Yeah. But I, this is where we okay to get platonic about it. Um, We're going I, platonic, guys. Because all right. You know when you watch like a late period Tarantino movie and you feel like maybe Tarantino is doing a riff on Tarantino. Oh, okay. It's too too self-knowing, too self-referential. Exactly. Okay. Um, As stupid as this sounds, I feel a lot like Ready Player One doesn't feel Spielbergian in a lot of ways. I don't like it as an example of a Spielberg movie because it... Is it just because Spielberg has become such a well-known... Mm. Um, trope or what's a you know thing that people just kind of have acclimated to that aesthetic already, and they just you know subconsciously just using it all the time. So I you think can't so. Really make an original looking thing anyway. So I'm going to use all right. So the, the cinema has some shorthand. Um, you can describe a film as being Lynchian, and Lynchian means something. It doesn't mean. Mm. A film by David Lynch, it has a specific meaning, and it's one of those words where it's kind of like it's easier to get the feeling of than to describe it. And I feel Spielbergian means something. It doesn't mean a film of Steven Spielberg, it means the repeated tropes of Steven Spielberg yeah. that we're so, used to using. I feel that AI, artificial intelligence, is a very Spielbergian movie, one of the most Spielbergian movies. But it doesn't, you know, it doesn't have like the happy ending, it doesn't have a, it's got a lot of dark shit in it. Like, you know. but I feel, I feel that is part of the Spielberg experience. Really? Yeah. No happy like, ending. Schindler's List. No, that's true. Like oh, so maybe, maybe actually we've, been, we've, we've misunderstood Spielberg. It's I more feel like it's his films are like emotionally effective to like the you know. His films are emotionally them. manipulative. Yeah, but it, there we go. That's yeah, that's a really good way. Because even War Horse, which I have not yeah. seen because it looks boring as hell, yeah. um, it's going to make you want to cry about a dead horse. Is yeah. my guess, having not seen that movie, yeah. and the ending of this movie. Is Spielberg doing that? Yeah, yeah, fair enough. It wants to, Spielberg is bittersweet. He, it's which is why he doesn't work for me. Of he wants to be a little bit dark, but in a way that's a little bit like, ah, oh no. And this movie is that all the way through. Also, the way that it's shot and lit in that really oversaturated way is so Spielberg. The way that everything's a little bit cutesy is so Spielberg. The way well, that it's actually, about robots, but it's about people. To, to that shocking fact thing about Kubrick, that, yep. that stuff was actually predetermined by Kubrick, the colour yeah. grading. They used the same film stock which, which Kubrick set out. Now that is interesting. Anyway, let's just let's support a bit of But okay, the, the thing that's said about AI a lot by people that have not read around it before watching it, after watching it, or, oh, that beginning and that end feels like Spielberg. What's up with that middle? And the yeah. fun twist is, oh, the middle's actually the only Spielberg bit. <laughs> That's hilarious. Honestly, the whole story of the film. Which <laughs> is funny, but then if you think about it, I'm like, well, yeah. Because I feel the middle, sorry, the beginning and the end is Spielberg applying his gloss to stuff that isn't quite him. 
which is why I don't think it works very well because all the thinking is on screen have you got this great premise of being like is this boy a boy and he makes it more Toy Story-ish than Blade Runner it's more just like them having conversations about oh let's go swimming as opposed to anything where you have to think whereas the middle which as we said earlier old avuncular Steven Spielberg you don't want to see him making sex robots but isn't it the most Spielbergian sex robot you've ever seen that is so true oh my (laughs) that is yeah because this sex robot has a notable (laughs) lack of sex like it is He's just too jolly. Like, he's he's, a, he's really... a relationship droid. He's like, hello, I make you happy. <laughs> oh, my God. The film has the sexual politics of The Sims 2. Yeah, that's true. Of they go commit whoopee somewhere, and you can deny it. It's like, oh, yes, I make your life good for you. Like, to the extent that this sex worker robot can explain his job to a child in a way that would not offend anybody. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I think the point is that it was supposed to offend mm. him. <laughs> or at least, like, point. offend, like, some of his internal programming. Yeah. So it's, like, it's so jarring that a Jiggle Jiggle Joe is just going to pick up this child and just, like, take him to, like, the red light district. It's like, <sighs> what is this? This is, this is why Spielberg can never break out of himself, because... He's like, you know what? I'm going to call this character Gigolo Joe. And then doesn't realise that it sounds funny. Exactly. It sounds funny. You think that sounds like, oh yeah, Gigolo. And like, dude, that's a funny sound. Like, the word sounds are hilarious. And he goes, oh, the red light district. The red light district, according to Steven Spielberg, is Wikipedia. And it's got um, a Robin Williams cameo. Yeah, the Robin Williams <laughs> Wikipedia cameo. And the red light district. Yeah, they go to the red light district, which is where the encyclopedia lives, and they meet some kids. They go, hey, do you want to go to the red light district? They're like, yeah, and it looks like a theme park. Oh, man. It's it's hilarious, because it's Spielberg being like, I'm going to make an edgy Kubrick movie. And it's like, Spielberg, you're cute. <laughs> yeah. So there we go. AI, an unintentional comedy from... It- the early 2000s which is why it's so which is why I really enjoyed the watching of it because I was just like oh my god what is this movie like at points like this movie is not working but it's trying so hard and I really like I love how committed it is to it I would happily watch AI again in a few years (laughs) let's get the last 40 minutes because it's terrible Um, but yeah just to like tap on something that I know we're reaching the hour now but um, yeah, I probably should have talked about it earlier. But basically, have you have you seen any of the more recent AI type films like Ex Machina? Yes, yeah, I, 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 love, I love that stuff. Yeah. Um, so Ex Machina is a really interesting one. Of I think it's uh, Alex Garland is a really interesting filmmaker. Mm. Um, a friend of mine worked with him as an extra and had some nice conversations with him. Apparently, oh, cool. he, nice. Um, he like he liked her acting um, and gave her more scenes. Um, and I told her that she should pass on him because she was staying at our house at the time because Manchester's yeah. a big place for um, filming. And it was mm-hmm. his devs. She was, She's in devs oh, yeah, cool, as cool. an extra, yeah. which I hear is great. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to tell her to tell Alex Garland that... Um, have you seen Annihilation? No. So I watched Annihilation and thought, man, what a cool movie. And then I read the book that it's based on. Mm-hmm. Alex Garland, can you please make a movie of that book instead because it's way cooler <laughs> than your film? They've only got so much time. No, that's not the problem. He said in an interview that this is the problem with that film. Of he was like, "Yeah, I read the book a while ago, so rather than rereading it, I made a film based on what I remembered." Oh no, 
That's bad. And the book is like nothing you've ever read. It's so cool. And I want to see a film of it. Mm-hmm. But it might just go, yeah, but okay, Ex Machina. Um, I like Ex Machina. I feel that Alex Garland is good at elevated trope movies yeah. of very familiar tropes. They look very flashy. But I remember going to see Ex Machina in the cinema and um, I really liked it and Emma my partner's response to it was being like why does it always have to be a sexy girl robot and I'm like mm, mm-hmm. yeah you're, you are right though you are right yeah I mean, what other AI movies should I have watched can't you even think of that many I mean Blade Runner 2049 yeah that's a, yeah obviously yeah the movie's awesome again has gender issues <laughs> um God. Oh, um, have you seen something called Altered Carbon? It's like a Netflix thing. No, I don't watch TV. <laughs> no. I hear it's I hear it's pretty good. Um, so actually, no, I hear I hear it's okay. To be fair, yeah. Ghost in the Shell. Yeah, um, that's another. That movie's okay. It's trash. <laughs> um, I, I'm not gonna go that far. I'm not a big <laughs> fan of Ghost in the Shell. Um, no, it's in the, the 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 recent remake. Oh god, no! I didn't watch that. Yeah, I mean, it's terrible. The, it's the, the original Ghost in the Shell I like, but I do not love. Mm. I do prefer the Matrix, as controversial as that is. Yeah, what I will say is that I, despite having seen quite a lot of these films that we've just mentioned, yeah. um, I just really think AI is a thing. It's too big for screen. I know, it's, like that might be mm. like controversial, or whatever. It's just there's so much in there. You're basically saying, like, what does it mean to be human? And that's, like, all films, really. I mean, like, most films. I mean, there, there's some films that don't have humans in them, but really, it's just, it's too too much. I feel um, the best films about the human condition are your low-key, kind of, like, Bergman-esque no, dramas. They, they have to be really tightly focused. Mm, 100% you agree. You can't just say, oh, we're going to make a film about the human condition. Okay, like, what does that mean? It's, like, it's just, yeah, and inevitably you will go there in, in a film about AI. So, yeah. Yeah. When I think about like what I think AI is going for, a film that has a okay, its issue is it has Casey Casey Affleck in it, which is an issue. Um, but he's wearing a sheet for the entire movie. But um, if you <laughs> have not watched the film A Ghost Story, um, it's a phenomenal film and is such a really good example of being like really tight, really short, not much actually going on, but speaks so profoundly about the human experience mm-hmm. and the human experience over time. Yeah, you just can't go. I agree with you so much. You can't go big with this stuff. To tackle big ideas, you need to weirdly you need to go, go small. small. You need to go small. Yeah, exactly. I agree so much with that. Yeah. yeah. Maximalist filmmaking only works, I think, when the spectacle is the point. No, so this is the thing about Kubrick. He's he always he almost hit that maximalist peak, but he never quite did. Yeah, true. Which is exactly what made his films amazing. Yeah, I'm glad he never made Napoleon because it would have been trash. It's yeah, I agree. Too big. It's and I think he knew that as well, which is why he made um, uh, thing instead. The thing, yes. Um, Stanley Barry Kubrick's Linden. the thing. <laughs> Barry Lyndon instead. Well, because that's like even his his war movie. Half that movie is set in a training camp. Exactly. Yeah. And then the other half is like a battle. Yeah. Yeah. To conclude, Stanley yeah. Kubrick is great. Yeah. Controversial opinion. <laughs> I actually think this very soon because, like you know, these things happen in cycles. But very soon, I reckon 
uh, filmmakers like Spielberg and Kubrick, I, it's going to be unfashionable to like them. Yeah, I think true. Um, I like many things that are unfashionable, so, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. Are we going to do the rating? Yeah, I think so. I've got a... Because I've... Oh, I'm, mm. Because I purposefully have not rated one of these films on Letterboxd yet, which we know is the arbiter of my film ratings. Yeah. Um, because I was, I was waiting for this conversation. Mm. Waiting for it. Um, I think I've decided. But you first. Yeah. I mean... God. I'm so reluctantly... Kind of self-consciously going to give Eyes Wide Shot a five. You love giving five stars. You love it. Because I am going to... I'm giving it a five. Yeah. I, I think that matches how you talk about the film. I feel that. But, yeah. I, yeah. It's, I know it's not perfect. It doesn't achieve what it tries to do perfectly. But I think yeah. it, it's a very important kind of conversation mm. starter, which that through line is going on today. You know, the, the films that deal with those kinds of issues, mm. they, they started maybe 20 or so years ago, but that's okay. still going on today so i think it's it's an important conversation starter just like the themes of the films are it's definitely a key text like it's a film that i've been referencing for years that i have not seen of being like oh it's like an eyes wide shot party kind of thing exactly and you're right it is a very academic film but i just Mm. like cerebral films i mean i'm not i'm not a dummy like i like a (laughs) i like a cerebral movie no but usually i know usually that's kind of used as like a pejorative oh it's too like you know just just leave it for the textbooks but, but I think know. I think Cache is a very academic movie and it yeah. rules. And I love that film. So anyway, yeah. Um, yeah so five for the for the eyes wide shot. Yeah, um, I can guess your rating for um, unrated, AI. unrated, not a film. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna, know, maybe like a like a two. I mean, obviously it's got some merits. But I'm like, going to really upset you. No, oh, please don't. These are these are both three star movies. Three really. Yeah. You're, you're making them equivalent. That's the thing that I find yeah. most offensive. I'd be fine you're telling me that Eyes Wide Shot is just a three star, whatever. But you're making them both equivalent. I don't understand it. Uh, I can't comprehend that. Uh, you know, all. I was more compelled by AI. What can I say? No, I, AI I, is demonstrably I a worse movie, but I well, don't think why it's are a two. making them the same rating? Because <laughs> I don't think it's a two star film. Three is a broad church. Is AI really a 2.5? Yes. No, it's not even like... It's a 1. AI is a 1. <laughs> These are three-star movies. Oh, I'm so offended right now. They might as well be the same film. <laughs> God. Okay. Well, I guess we'll have to end it there. <laughs> In more ways than one. Uh, I just don't think I want shots that good. I feel, hey, you talk a good film. I wish I'd watched the film that you talked about. Just watch it again. Yeah, maybe. I mean, you know, I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. Um, <laughs> I know. I would chart for me is one that's very hard to rate um, because I'm, and you know, I'm rating this stupid um, yeah. because I'm just like there's so many stuff about this is so good, but then in this point where I'm just like, eh. Um, yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's a weird one. What I will say is, like, if it doesn't hit you at that kind of gut level, then. It doesn't. it doesn't work for you like but it doesn't work for you so i understand yeah it missed miss my I'm gut just saying, yeah yeah and ai i know you're manipulating me but occasionally it works it just didn't work yeah for me enough. it just didn't work it was... yeah i'm kind of fascinated by ai because it's such a failure 
it's such a massive failure. Mm. It's it's such a big American failure. Mm. Which is really interesting to me. Um, <laughs> there you go. I, ha- I feel like your rating is being influenced by the uh, by the making of AI. Yeah, I think so. Rather than hundred percent. That's all right. No, it's not. Um, you're right. Uh, but hey, <laughs> right. You know, I just can't say I dislike it, even though it's not very good. <laughs> you know, sometimes a film sneaks up on you. I'm also talking about the. Imagine what? an AI made by David Lynch. Oh, just David Lynch should make everything. <laughs>